We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And we have an upcoming road trip, six-game road trip, that's coming at a great time, I think. This would have thrashed the Lakers if they'd started it three, four weeks ago, I think. And that doesn't mean that, you know, good times are necessarily ahead, but I do think the Lakers are in a much better position to be competitive against a string of pretty good teams. And so Mike is joining us from a hotel in Milwaukee. Coincidentally, Mike, the first time I ever got drunk in my life was in a hotel in Milwaukee. And wow. uh, hopefully you're not. Yeah, I know of all things, right? What were you, hold on. What were you and Goldfarb up to, man? Like, was this at, at Jeff Brennan? <laughs> you and Goldfarb No, this was my family. See, so this is my mom's side of the family, and they got a huge family, Irish, right? And a lot of them are in the Midwest. And so this is Milwaukee in 1997. So I'm like 16 years old, and me and all my badass cousins are sneaking the – what's the Boone's Farm and the Peach Schnapps that's in the like – what's the main room? Like the, the like ballroom that we'd rented out for the family to have dinner that night. And yeah, wow. we'd always had a – something we called the Blarney Rubble Award, which was for the person who got drunkest in the family. Um, and I won the junior division that year, um, which I'm not entirely proud of, but I am saying it here on this podcast. So already off the rails, yes. Mike. <laughs> Joining us from a hotel in Milwaukee. Yesterday, real quick, Mike, before you get into the road trip, yesterday we talked about how we feel about this team, right? Rather than what we mm -hmm. think about this team. And you didn't get a chance to chime in. So just... It's been been a wild ride this season, and I think that we are starting a new phase of the season right now with this road trip. And I'm just just checking in with you real quick, Mike. Uh, what, how, how you feeling about this team? Well, it's certainly better vibes than last year, so that's true. But I think that there are there's still a a, a level of the team, and and we've talked about how it's essentially if a trade happens or not. That I think that's when the team can fully crystallize, but it's it's a step above where things were last year. Uh, and I also agreed with you guys about like where the team is at now um, compared to even the first week or so of the season. And there's been enough figured out that I agree that I think that they're they can expect to be reasonably competitive um, really against anybody. 
Uh, that that doesn't mean that they're going to be favored to beat the Milwaukee's or the Boston's, the teams that already have all of their stuff completely figured out. But yeah, it's it's certainly closer to that level. And then, so talk to us about this road trip, Mike. I, I you know, with you following the league uh, in writ large as closely as you do, what what's your impression of the opponents that we have coming up? It's uh, it's it goes a bit both ways on this trip. Like there, I think the Lakers can have some reasonable expectations to get some wins. If you if you ask Anthony Davis, right, his way of trying to measure success is still regardless of where they're at record wise. Like he believes when he's on the court, kind of like when you know when Goldfarb believe, lines up whoever it is across the chess table. That's or right. If I That's line right. up against somebody <laughs> across the ping pong table, you know, there's going to be a level of confidence no matter who it is, and. Just starting with the first couple of games. So Milwaukee, well, I'm sure we'll get more specifically into that. But then Washington, you know, Cleveland, who is not playing as well as they were. And or we'll, we'll see if they have Jared Allen. Like Toronto's a really good team, but are have been missing some pieces here and there. Like Philadelphia, another. Th- these are all teams that are good. But I'd say I'd probably separate Milwaukee from them. But I wouldn't say that they're teams that the Lakers mm-hmm. can't beat um, if they play really well. And if they don't play well, then they're certainly going to lose those games. The only one where even if the Lakers don't play great, they would have a chance to win would be at Detroit. But Detroit just beat Dallas last night in in overtime. And this goes back to the the larger focus of what the NBA is right now and how even the bad teams um, have enough talent that it's it's just as important that your own team, in this case, of course, we're talking about the Lakers, have, have to find the way that they're going to play. Um, and and be healthy. And Darius and I were just texting about that uh, as he was writing his preview because we know that Shooter's out tonight, but they're expecting to have both Walker and Brown returning. So they're not completely whole, nice. but they're closer than they were last game. Uh, and and so I the Milwaukee element, though, Darius, that's most interesting to me that you wrote about is this whole dynamic with Darvin having been there for so long and being such a coach bud disciple. And then what they run and Darvin knows exactly what Bud's going to do. And Bud probably knows exactly what Darvin's going to do. And then you have just LeBron and Giannis and AD figuring it out on the fly. And then Middleton returns. So a ton of stuff in this specific game uh, that, that starts this six game trip. Yeah. I think zooming out really quickly before we dive into the Bucks game, AD talking about how he wants to go four and two. It's always tricky because you, you look at the you look at the teams, and I could tell you where I think the four wins could best come from, right? Like I think the four wins are most likely to come against Washington and against Detroit, right? I think they could beat Cleveland. Braun always gets up for a game in Cleveland, but that Toronto game and tonight's game against the Bucks, those are the tricky games. Because those teams are really, really good. Toronto's record isn't what it should be, but they just got Siakam back. They just got Barnes back. They're basically a whole team now. And they're going to start thrashing guys, teams, basically, if they have their their whole squad available. That's also, I think, the second night of a back-to-back. It's, it's tricky, right? But then, whenever you start to forecast the schedule... And you say, I think my wins are coming here and my losses are coming there. The basketball gods strike you down for your hubris, for for thinking that you know something that (laughs) they don't. 
and things always go awry. So I'm not even going to speculate about where I think the Lakers wins could or will or might come from Pete. I'm just more interested at where the team's confidence level is and where their spirit is and that idea of like what their rhythm is. And those things are all trending up. How that translates on the court is an open question. And I think this is why this road trip is a proving ground of sorts. But I agree with you in terms of this trip was a yeah. month ago. I'm like, they about to go 0 <laughs> 6. Sure. I don't care who these other teams are. Like, they're, they're, well, they're too good, Mike. And Pete, to kick this to you, the other danger about looking ahead, even to what happens next week, is so many teams have at least one key guy that sits that you just don't know about until a day or two before. So that is a, that is a good point that Darius made. Um, And one guy, as we know, specifically with this Lakers team makes all the difference in the NBA. And sometimes it's a star. Sometimes it's a role player that totally changes the equation. And that's why like for tonight, I wonder the effect that middle uh, that Chris Middleton has on this team in this game, which could go a number of different ways, but Pete, you don't have to start there. Um, There's if you want to go, go zoom out first. No, 100%. I'm actually, you know, in my hoping Boston doesn't go all the way, uh, you know, overarching thing that I care about. Chris Middleton is a significant significant figure, right? Like that's the the guy that I think that it was the difference between uh, their series last year. And I think that those two teams are like I put those two teams and then Golden State just on the uh, strength of their being the champs. That group has never hasn't been beaten in a playoff series when healthy in a very long time. But those three are really the class of the NBA in my mind. Uh, And so Middleton coming back as that pull-up jump shooter, I think is a super important thing long-term for them. But the first game back for a player like that and incorporating a player like that back into the lineup isn't always easy. And so now it's funny because because you were saying, you know, that uh, Coach Bud and a Coach Bud disciple, it's going to be a lot of the team's it's almost like, hey, you go up against this in practice all the time, right? Like when we're playing against each other in scrimmages, these are the schemes that you go against. And a guy like Middleton is an elite pull-up jump shooter. And so we can give up those kind of shots. But one thing that I want to see on this road trip is actually the flip side of that. We've talked a lot about how this scheme will give up some some jumpers. But one of the things that it's taken away has, I think, really played into the positive math of this team that we haven't gotten into. And that's, we don't give up many free throw attempts. We don't give up many free throw attempts and we get a lot of free throw attempts. And so while shooting around 80% from the line, not so well the other day, but, but we've been good from the line the other day. And so in this, this, uh, paradigm where we're one of the lesser three-point shooting teams around the NBA. You got to make up for the math of that elsewhere. And I think we've done that by getting to the line and getting to the rim. This Milwaukee game in particular is that like, okay, well, let's see you do that against Giannis and Brooke Lopez and a scheme that's like really built to stop this. So going into this Milwaukee game in particular, D, that's the one of the things I'm really looking at is can we leverage a strength that we have as you know patchy as we are in other areas of the game against a team that's the number one defensive rating in the league and that really locks that down. Yeah, one of the things I did not do in my game preview is like dive into a ton of numbers that I had looked up and and really tried to because it it ended up being kind of Spider-Man meme-ish. Yeah. Like, oh, like, like here's here's one team looking at the other team and 
that idea of like anything you can do, which is sort of one of my three things, is like anything you can do, right? Like I can do better sort of idea. And right now Milwaukee is the I can mm-hmm. do better side. They're number one in defense. They are 15 and five. They are the benchmark that I think in a lot of ways, a disciple of that head coach who is now coaching the Lakers. We talked a lot about North Star yesterday, Pete. Well, the Bucks are sort of a North Star for the Lakers in in a lot of ways, just from a schematic standpoint and how well they mm-hmm. execute within the context of of those schemes and, and how they act out on those philosophies on both sides of the floor, right? But the devil's always in the details. And I'll be very interested if the Bucks are going to still be the top rim protecting team if Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Russell Westbrook and all these guys are getting down downhill the way that they are. Are they going to be able to protect and di- and not only protect the rim? Because I think the Bucks rank like fourth or fifth in terms of field goal percentage allowed at the rim. But they're first in limiting attempts. That's right. That's right? what it's and built so to they do. They don't even let yep. teams shoot down there, right? And so you look, at, and then, but then you look at the shots that they do allow, and so it's like, oh, look, they're giving up the most shots in eight to twelve feet, and then twelve to sixteen feet. They're they're the most shots allowed, which are the exact shots. Like around the NBA, teams' defenses want want you to take. You know who ranks third mm-hmm. in those stats? The Los Angeles Lakers. And so yep. it's just like there is this idea, Mike, of of who is going to crack the other team's code and who's going to do the thing better that they know where the weaknesses are and how do you exploit those. And this is where I think it comes less down to, although this is going to matter, I think it comes down less to coaching acumen and more to like, what is the skill set of the players that are on the court? And that's why I think it's important that Lonnie Walker is been upgraded to probable. It's why I'm very interested to see how Chris Middleton plays. And it's why I tried to discuss this idea of LeBron and AD versus Giannis, and then to a certain extent, Brooke Lopez, because those battles in the front court and who's going to control the painted area, that's what this game is about to me. And both teams are going to shoot a certain amount of threes. Both teams are going to be comfortable giving up a certain amount of threes to specific three-point shooters. But when it comes right down to it, this is a star league. And there's no bigger stars than Giannis and LeBron and and Anthony Davis. Like, and so these guys are going to war tonight and they're gonna lock horns with the Bucks, right? And so how do you see that part of things playing out? You know, it's a good matchup when there are about six things that I want to get to right here. And I know you guys have them as well. And we just have to <laughs> uh-huh. kind of try to check the list off, right, without repeating each other's thoughts or at least adding or hopefully adding to them. The first one I was thinking of we talked about a little bit already was Middleton. And when a player returns, as Pete suggested, there are are basically two ways that it can go Um, to me. One is comes back. Teammates are kind of inspired. Rally around the front flag. Like, let's go. We're whole again. Hits one of his patented jumpers, you know, lifts them. Everybody plays defense harder. Uh, That's that's one way. The other way is it just messes up the rhythm because he's on a minute's limit. Okay, starting, but coming out at an earlier time than usual. Um, Shot isn't going down. Well, that's the spot where actually Giannis was being more aggressive at that part of the game. And for this Bucks team, I tend to give them the benefit of the doubt and think that they end up, it ends up sort of giving them a boost. And, and that's certainly the way that the Lakers have to prepare for it, right? <clears throat> they can't go in thinking like, oh, well, yeah, maybe the, they, they just won't work out with Chris Middleton back. 
And he's also better defensively uh, with his size, yeah. I think, than than some people realize. So he he helps them be bigger. One of the things I look at for tonight, one of the ways it's always going to go for that guy who's coming back, it, whether it goes well or poorly, is he's going to be gassed uh, fairly earlier than he would be, right? It just, you have to play in NBA games to get into NBA shape and conditioning. And between that and the foot speed advantage that AD has on Lopez, like run these dudes, make Middleton huff and puff. And when Russ comes into the game, just like that pushing the pace, the Wenyans, the TBs, those guys, I think that like, if this is a half court game, it becomes much more difficult. So just with that in mind, like I totally agree, it can go either way in that respect, but Middleton's just not going to have his wind in his first game. For sure. Um, all right. So two other things. Rebounding. Milwaukee's a great rebounding team. They're second in the league in rebound percentage. The Lakers uh, are not. They're 21st in rebound percentage. Now, in terms of like total rebounds. <laughs> That's the a way are, of saying it. <laughs> yeah. In terms of up, the, they're, they're higher in terms of total rebounds in part because of their pace. And the Lakers lead the league in pace um, just ahead of the Warriors. And Milwaukee has been playing slower this year. They're at 16th. So just two things I think are interesting. And then... With Shooter being out, I think that the plan – here, let me, let me rephrase. I think that what I might have wanted or sort of seen happen, and I don't know what the coaches exactly were thinking, would be to transition Beverly to the bench and to start Shooter uh, and go mm-hmm. and see how that would work. Well, with Shooter out, in last game, of course, it was Lonnie and, and Walker and Troy Brown that were out. Does that mean that Beverly starts again, or do you maybe start Austin? Uh, and who's been playing great and then in place essentially a shooter and then you know have Beverly come off the bench and that I think makes a an impact on this specific game too thinking about Drew Holiday and you know Middleton sizing them up some so those matchups are are intriguing to me as well and as this game approaches so let's go to break here Mike because I think that I want to talk a little bit more about this Bucks game and then forecast out a little bit too for the rest of this road trip We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so I'm not sure what Darvin is going to do in this one. Patrick Beverly is such an important defensive player, and I just wonder who Darvin thinks is the best matchup for him defensively, right? And so does he think he needs Pat Bev to defend Drew Holiday? Because if he does, then guess what? Austin Reeves is not going to start. Mm-hmm. Like, because Troy Brown is... I, 
Troy Brown's very likely to keep to return to the lineup and return as a starter, right? And he's likely going to be slotted against Chris Middleton regardless. Um, and so this then comes down to what do you think your starting lineup needs? Pete, I'm this is an undertold story i think this will this season but it's something that i've been tracking but haven't necessarily dove into all the numbers yet but the lakers have yet to really find a starting lineup that actually gives them yep. a boost and pushes them to the point where they're either just even playing break even basketball a, a lot of times they are down mm-hmm. After that first sort of initial part of the game before Russ comes in and then they're different. It's always a game of runs. A team is always going to find their stride eventually. But I feel like the Lakers starters have not necessarily found their way. And look, that's been true even when Austin is in the game. There's just something that's going on at the start of games that the Lakers have had trouble getting over that that hump. But on this road trip specifically, and I think specifically against a Bucks team that really likes to sort of put a stranglehold on you early with Giannis. Giannis is such a forceful player, and their defense is so good that they can – you can lose a game in the first five sure. minutes just as easily as you can in the last five. And, and so what do you think about the starting group to speak to to Mike's question about like where where do you think the lineup goes and that pivot point with Austin particularly with Dennis out? And just to add into this, Pete – the Bucks have been starting smaller without Middleton. So they've yeah. had Javon Carter mm-hmm. in the backcourt next to Holiday, who's a really good defensive player, a high pressure, you know, in some ways like a shooter, Beverly um, type, but super aggressive. And then Grayson Allen um, has been playing the three, essentially a little bit out of position, mm-hmm. which would have been a nice matchup for Troy Brown. Um, you know, Middleton is less so. And so I, I assume that Middleton, even if on a minutes limit, goes back into that group. And, and I just want to throw that in there as you think about optimized Laker lineups, either for this game or just in general. It's funny, the Bucks doing the three guard stuff, because that's been a big storyline with us as well, right? I think that the one place where I disagree is oftentimes we don't have two bigs the way that Milwaukee does to like, if you're going to run three guard lineups, like you got Giannis and Brooke Lopez back there, you're fine. Run three guard lineups. You're not going to experience that, you know, those rebounding and those uh issues at the rim, especially in this defensive scheme. Um, but if you go smaller, you do run run the risk of that. I'm, I am curious if they bring Middleton off the bench. Like that can be a thing sometimes when a guy comes comes back. But with that initial group, like to put it simply, like I think a reason our starters struggle is because we've got two superstars and then one guy who's a mini MLE guy, another guy who's a vet min guy, and then another guy who's either a vet min guy or Pat Bev who's been really struggling, right? So like – just to put it very simply, like a lot of times the other team starters have more guys that are 10 million plus players in the lineup, right? I, I, and, and so that's going to happen to a certain degree. But I do think that that the lead guard spot D and the starting small forward spot, like I like Brown. I also think in a, in a perfect world, I think he's the backup to – a better version of him um, or like a pull-up jump shooter type of guy, like a six, eight type of dude. Um, there, and there are a couple of ways it can go, right? That's another thing too, is that with tonight's game, we get to see the too big version of this that we've been kind of pining for. And that's one of the, I think the central questions the front office has right now is do we pursue a starting center in a trade or do we need a backup center? And so, um, Sorry, that's just where my mind goes uh, when it comes to this game, but also like kind of like themes throughout the road trip is I think that we have a potential trade looming and 
this road trip is going to give us the most, like it's almost like a midterm exam of sorts for this team of what's real and what isn't. Well, in kicking this to you, Mike, I also think they're going to see a ton of variety on this trip in terms of styles, right? Oh, and yeah. so Cleveland, I think, would offer, like particularly if Jared Allen's back, then you get another team with two bigs, very similar to what Milwaukee's doing with two bigs. But then you also see a Toronto team that's going to basically play like the UNLV running rebels mm-hmm. <laughs> like they, they are they are just smashing teams in transition and oh like, god our transition defense oh jesus and getting deflections like Siakam's playing center yeah, basically up, yeah. it's like like oh my goodness yeah they're just gonna run 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 a second of back to back it's gonna be crazy and then you've got a team like Washington, which is like, OK, like anchor big, but he's a stretch player and all like there's just a bunch of different types of teams that the Lakers are going going to face. And so in terms of that midterm mm-hmm. exam that that Pete's talk talking about, it's not just for one class. Exactly. Either, right. It's, it's just like it's midterm right. season. And and you better have like you better have done your Spanish homework just like you did your philosophy homework, just (laughs) like you did your history homework, because all of these things are different subject matters. And it's A through G time for you, like like you got to have it all down. And, And so that's why I'm super intrigued, because the Lakers, the type of system the Lakers run is supposed to be foolproof. To, to a certain extent, it, it is supposed to be able – it's a stabilizing yeah. system. It, it's very yep. simplistic. It's it's paint by numbers. It's just mm-hmm. like, hey, we're like one or two reads on both sides of the ball. They're not asking players to think so much. They're asking them to react and leverage their, leverage their athleticism and individual skills. And it's why, to me – I think it's great that they're starting this road trip against the Bucks, where it is sort of that like, oh, they're the PhD version of the Lakers undergraduate mm-hmm. exams, right? Like, like that's the team that they're doing it the way that the Lakers will hopefully want to be doing it in April and May if they're lucky enough to get to May. Right. And so it's good to start out with that and then to flow into the rest of this trip. So. How do the Lakers still look big picture on this trip while also compartmentalizing enough considering the differences in teams that that they're going to see while also focusing on themselves more so than than anything else? Yeah, I don't know that the Lakers can really be that similar to the Bucks for the reason that Pete mentioned just in the Brooke Lopez and having that real huge stretch five. Mm-hmm that shoots threes on one end and just protects the rim and, and does it at an elite level. It just, that changes the whole makeup of the team to such an extent that like the Lakers, the, the closest they could get is that look that they gave at the end of the second quarter, uh, which I made sure mm-hmm. to ask Darvin about because I liked it because it was Thomas <laughs> yeah, playing next to, um, to AD. <laughs> and, but, you know, Darvin essentially said, yeah, for certain teams that are small or sorry, that are, that are extra big, it's something we know we can go to, but that's not going to be the typical way that we play. Uh, what I think is mm-hmm. mostly what his answer was. And but you know, if Thomas Bryant extends that range out as he did hit a three, he he doesn't have the same rim protection though, of course, that Brook Lopez does, and that's yeah. why it's difficult to find that player. And you don't need him to have quite as much if you have Anthony Davis, but it's yeah, it's not going to be sustainable in the way um, that Milwaukee's is. But to me, the swing factor, Darius, to more directly answer your question. And it's odd to talk about him in this context, but LeBron 
and how many games that he has, and you guys talked about this in the last pod, how many games that he has that are like the game, um, are are like the previous game, like where Mm -hmm. it against Portland, where he continues to play at a certain level defensively uh, and takes on certain assignments like he took on Jeremy Grant. Um, and is not getting discouraged when teammates that admittedly are not as talented or whatever they're doing or are not playing the right way, whatever it is. Um, and he just sort of keeps going and plugs away. And because AD to me has has to be, even if it's not always the constant, and he's the thing he's the thing that the other team doesn't have a good answer for. They they just don't. Yeah. They, even Milwaukee doesn't have a great answer for yep. AD. Well, we guard him with Giannis Tholkin. Well, then that pulls him out. Well, we can't really guard him with Brooke. Like he's the guy that I think they're going to have to discuss. But if LeBron then plays um, at his the peak of where he's at now, that to me is where everybody else is then going to get slotted to where they don't have to do as much, and you're not asking them to do too much, mm-hmm. like you know season high points from Austin Reeves and stuff like that. So um, I'll Pete. Shocking that I'll go back to. AD and LeBron um, as the keys here, but that's to me more of the swing factor. Now, man, look, Darius and I can get so deep into the weeds sometimes that that is always a refreshing, uh, you know, like, yeah, of course, like that's going to be the biggest thing. All of these things about scheme and all of the the details, like I think we delight in in that, but there is a certain like, hey, does LeBron have it going tonight? Then yes, we have a good chance of winning. Does he not? Uh, probably not. And that's that, right? And so, the story of LeBron season, I think, is is super interesting because he's, you know, I think working himself back back into that. And that's part of the reason, Mike, why I'm not like I'm not so quick to to bury LeBron James. Like I'm going to I'm going to believe in him until the wheels come off. And what I've seen D is a player that's trying to, like, get it back. And it's not just that, like a loss of skill because he's still he's still a genius. Right. He's still just incredibly skilled. I really want to see him get back to that fadeaway, like where he has that unblockable shot, like cream, like we were talking about with cream yesterday. And, but all of this is kind of a, kind of a transition for him. It's not stuff that he's never done before. It's all part of his arsenal, but like figuring how much to go in one direction versus another. I think this road trip is great for him in that respect, exactly because of that wide variety of teams that you were talking about. Well, I also think, too, that and this is where I want to zero back in on the Bucks matchup specifically. And we'll and we'll do this again when they play Cleveland. We'll do this again when they play Toronto. We'll even do it again when they play Washington based off of like who the forwards are on those specific teams. But part of what makes a player a great player is when there's another great player on the other team and that's your matchup. Or Mm -hmm. and in the case of Grant, who is a very, very good player, but not a great, great player, but like the other team's best guy on that specific night or one of their top two guys because Damian Lillard is out and everyone gets gets pushed up a slot in the past. And I mentioned this some in in my game preview, but it used to be a D who was on. Yes. Giannis. And that was because the Lakers Mm -hmm. played bigger. So often, right? They started a traditional center. Giannis plays power forward. AD plays power forward. And they matched up almost all of the time. Well, I just looked this number up today. Per cleaning the glass, Anthony Davis has played 98% of his minutes at center. Mm-hmm. And so that 2%, that is the, the that Thomas, that that's that shift with Thomas Bryant, Mike, that happens once every four games. For two minutes. Right? For like <laughs> three minutes. Yeah, seriously though, that's exactly what that is. And and so 
LeBron, LeBron's most natural matchup tonight is Giannis. Yep. Right? You could put him on Lopez, but then LeBron's going to be in every pick and roll and he's going to have to defend the pick and pop and he's going to have and then he's going to have to rebound and then Lopez is going to be like, "Okay, well, you might be LeBron James, but I'm 7 foot 1 and I'm a massive human being. So I'm going to post you up some. I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to do all of this stuff." And so so I kick it back to you guys. One of the determining factors of does LeBron have it tonight, I think, is going to be how how much does the other team engage him in order to like poke the bear a little bit and like mm-hmm. bring it out of him. Right. And to me, there's no other player in the league that's likely to bring it out of him like Giannis. I remember when they clashed the championship season, Pete, and it was that weekend mm-hmm. where they played the Clippers and they played the Bucks on back to back games. And LeBron was just like, you know what? I got the clamps for you, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And I got the clamps for you, mm-hmm. Giannis. Right. And so it's two years later now. Giannis has got a ring. He's got another MVP award in his pocket. But to me, this is where it's at. How do you see that matchup going? And do you even see it going in that direction where LeBron has to defend Giannis? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly like, I think we framed LeBron getting himself going so much through the offensive end. And that's largely my fault um, that you're, you're absolutely right. D that him guarding him. And also like just from a pure basketball perspective, you need somebody versus Giannis who can win the battle on the ground. Like, not let him get past you. And, and now you're he might go over you, and there's you can get help in that respect. But like the Celtics will guard Giannis with Horford primarily. And Horford is never gonna jump or have the athletic gifts that Giannis has, but it's his ability to understand exactly the correct position to be in in the exact correct stance. And it's not like, of course, it's high it's high intensity minutes defensively mike right like you are asking lebron james to guard Giannis, and so but if you want to win this game tonight that is just from a basketball truth standpoint like he's the most well equipped to do that and you've got i i really want to get ad and lopez next to each other in a way that ad can leverage his athletic gifts in a way that i don't think lopez can guard and that's a way to get there right but again you're asking year 20 lebron to be like hey go take Giannis for 30 minutes tonight it's a big ask so i've been watching a lot of the world cup and it's i won't get into the whole fact that it's in the Qatar and and all of that and the political sides of this but what what that's done and what's that what that's created has been games the second that i wake up but are still over before league pass starts up um, at 4 p.m. Mm. So basically, oh, so you have a good time. Abs- yeah, they're in the absolute perfect viewing window, and I have gotten to see nice. a lot of them. You know, often while you know listening to basketball podcasts to make sure that we're keeping up on stuff. But the guy that I've been watching, and one of my favorite players in the world, is Kylian Mbappe, and he plays for France. And when you're talking about Giannis, there's a certain way that you have to defend Mbappe because he's such an amazingly superior athlete. That if you give him mm-hmm. an inch, uh, he's he's in on goal. Like whether he's on the sideline, whether he's in the mm-hmm. middle of the field, and the way that you were discussing Horford defending Giannis, like as a defender in soccer, first of all, you you need more than one typically, but you right. can't be sleeping or because in and LeBron is like this in transition still. He used to be like this more in the half court, but if you if he even just gets a shoulder on you, it's it's lights out. 
Oh yeah. And that requires this certain level of mental focus and fortitude for 90 minutes for anybody that plays against France and for every minute that Giannis is on the floor. And to have that guy also be the person that's supposed to do stuff on the other end is a just gargantuan task that a prime type player uh, can do. Right. And I, it's just in this case, you know, I don't know that I would ask LeBron or AD. Maybe it's a mix of the two. And then I, I'm more in the you have to sort of throw different looks with because of what the Lakers have. And they don't have somebody that can just be assigned to Giannis in that context. So 100 percent, it's going to have to be different looks, multiple people and all of that. But what I would do, because I think this can serve another purpose from uh, from Darwin's standpoint, too, is I would be like, yes, LeBron, we do need you to guard Giannis because you are the most equipped to do this of our players. But we will take some offensive responsibility off of your plate uh, on a night like this for exactly the reason that you were just saying, Mike. One of the things I want to see D is how good is Austin Reeves? Like one of the things Austin can can get his pocket picked from time to time with ball pressure. He got Javon Carter and Drew Holiday tonight. So if like Schroeder's out, I'd love to see Austin Reeves start. Whatever impact it has on the game, play Austin 36 minutes tonight and see what happens. Because that to me, like he represents a place of potential internal growth where I just want to get the answer to how good is Austin Reeves on this road trip. Oh, let me add one thing to set you up with Austin. So Austin, they're going to have some level of focus on him and they have the guards and we'll see if Carter and Holiday play together. But when Austin's out there with the ball, guys are still thinking about LeBron and AD. And that's part of why I like him in the in the starting lineup or at least mm. playing more with those guys. Because if mm-hmm. he's out there leading a, a different unit and then it's like Carter or Holiday, go ahead and, and like just like stop this guy a little bit more. I think I like the fact that Austin has... LeBron or AD for the for the defense to be occupied with and that's not to say that he can't still get the job done but that I just always think is an interesting part of Austin because like the way that Pete said it right is what okay let's show us what you can do but that's the um, that's the interesting factor as to where Milwaukee is prioritizing him in the scouting report and how much resources they're uh, they're devoting to something like that yeah it's also about the actions that they put Austin in to and how many screen and rolls that he runs and who his partner is in in those mm. actions, right? And so Austin, you put Austin in a side screen and roll with Anthony Davis, guess who that's helping? It's helping yeah. Austin Reeves, right? You put him in, you put him in an angle or uh inverted pick and roll action where either Austin is handling the ball or he's the one screening with LeBron James, guess who that's helping? It's it's helping Austin mm. Reeves, right? And so besides all the the stuff that you're talk, talking about, Mike, which I think is also super applicable when Austin is sort of on the opposite side of the floor and he's working off ball or he's even handling the ball himself, but he's away from where LeBron and ADR. The gravity of a superstar is why those players are so valuable. There's never a time where they're in the game and they're not your top focus. Right. Even if they don't have the ball. And it's why it's where the phrase making your teammates better comes from. It's because the attention that you draw allows them to play more free and it allows them to play with more space. And all of that's going going to be helpful to to Austin. Pete, I 100 percent agree with you. Austin led the Lakers in minutes the last game. And honestly, Darwin's proclivity to try to lessen 
the minutes load on both LeBron and AD, which is another coach yep. bud thing. Giannis is typically been around the 32 minute range when he's literally in the prime Much of to his the career. consternation of back Bucks, to, Bucks when, fans on many nights. Yes. No, you go back to like like when Wilt was this dude's age and different era, I know, but this dude played 48 minutes a game. It's just like this dude never came mm-hmm. out, right? So anyways, so Austin should be among the league leader or among the Lakers leaders in minutes every night because he is one of the more complete two-way players and his the specifics of his skill set as a passer and a ball mover and a connecting player allows him to fit in any lineup. And I'm happy to see him taking on more responsibility, but going up against the likes of Drew Holiday or going up against the likes of a Javon Carter, who is a good ball pressure guard. These are good tests. He may even find Chris Middleton Mm -hmm. on him a few possessions, right? Depending on where the matchups go. So big test for Austin Reeves. I think big test for LeBron James, who like for all the like the he is the aging lion, but he's still a lion Mm -hmm. all of the same. And I'll be interested to see if he has one of those nights where he's like, hey, don't bury me yet. Mm -hmm. It's not the time for the Viking funeral. I'm still actual Viking. And it may. And like this is why I love these sorts of games, because you've got the titans of the league going head to head and this is what it's about to be should be fun uh 4 30 pacific time on spectrum tonight got another game on sunday we'll be back on monday to talk about how it went but until then you've been listening to the laker film room podcast we'll catch you guys next time james has got it in low to mikhail mikhail wants to turn his double team just pass out of front broken up by worthy tip to magic worthy dies on his belly magic scores there's magic got it magic fires it's good they will A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.